curiosity? Is it the tool by which we can best understand the world around us, or does it simply offer the opportunity to be perpetually dissatisfied? On one hand, it is a trait shared by great minds, seekers, and scientists, the Madame Curies and Jane Goodalls of the world. On the other hand, Eve with her apple and Pandora with her box are cautionary tales worth considering. And what place does curiosity hold in the landscape of love? We become curious about a stranger and find ourselves compelled to learn more about him. We become curious why our heart races in that certain way whenever she touches our hand. We know we've fallen in love because we find ourselves curious about even the most uninteresting things coming out of our beloved's mouth. But there's also curiosity about who is that texting your husband? Or why is your wife so familiar with that guy at the gym? There's curiosity that leads down paths of obsession. More than one spouse has found themselves curious about whether there's something better out there and allowed that curiosity to lead them astray. So, does curiosity lead us towards true love or away from it? I guess I should explain to you why I'm so personally invested in this question. My name's Kristen Ruth Smith. I was born in 1984, which means I'm technically of that very front end of the wave of the population we've tagged as millennials. Of course, one of the tried and true characteristics of a millennial is that we hate being labeled. So I suppose my aversion to the whole thing only makes me a more classic specimen. I, like so many of my generation, am about to turn 35. And as I arrive at that milestone, I am surprised to find that I feel genuinely ready and open to finding love. I want to meet my person, my teammate, and I feel excited about that next stage in a way that I never have before. For the first time, I can say, I want to be married. And it's not some perfunctory statement. It's something that's actually welling up deep within. So this might not seem so strange to most of you. And on the surface, you're right, it's not. Millions of people connect, date, marry, all as a part of the normal everyday cycle of life. It seems pretty normal too that with age comes this natural shift towards relationship mindedness. This simple act of human nature, however, feels not just daunting, but bewildering to me. Because you see, I've never been in a romantic relationship. I know what you're thinking. Kristen, how can that be? You're bright and fun and positively adorable. And you would be right. It is super weird. I myself am uncertain how exactly I arrived at this place. I mean, by most standards, I'm a pretty normal girl. You likely know a lot of other women just like me. Raised in the Midwest, just outside of Chicago. Oldest of three kids. Dad was a lawyer. Mom stayed home with us. Parents are still together. I worked hard at school, went to a good university, then went on to get an architecture degree. I moved to Southern California after graduation, just as the economy tanked. So like so many of us who came out of school at that time, I've had an eclectic and circuitous career path, and now I work for myself as a brand consultant and graphic and web designer. Pretty typical millennial woman stuff. And so because of that, I always just sort of assumed that I'd date like any normal girl does. 
But whenever I tried to imagine actually doing it, like now, like this very day, the idea has felt totally alien. Like trying to project myself into an alternate reality where this other person, this other human being is right there by my side and in my life and in my house and in my bed. It just seemed really bizarre. And I'll admit, even as I'm sitting here talking to you, the idea of being in a nice, normal, functioning, happy partnership does still hold this tinge of fantastical around the edges. But something has shifted. Maybe it's just staring down the barrel of 35. Maybe it's an emotional maturity, God willing. Or maybe it's simply that my curiosity has finally peaked out and I am willing to suspend my disbelief in order to proclaim that I want it. Love, partnership, commitment, family, all of it. I want it. Now, how the heck do I go about finding it? Oh, if only I'd started dating back in the 90s like the other kids my age. This would have been so much simpler. No, instead I had to wait until 2019 to enter the dating pool. With its ever-expanding cultural norms of sexual spectrums and gender fluidity, here I am in my mid-30s and I feel like I'm walking into the middle of the Hunger Games or something. But I do have two things going for me. I want it, and I'm curious. Which brings us to my initial question. I was born curious. I've never been able to stop trying to figure out the world around me, to distill it into these if-then statements and sort it into neat little boxes. Some might even call me an overthinker, and I may be, but each of us can only use the tools we have at our disposal, right? Curiosity may have killed that cat, but I have to take that risk and roll the dice that my dogged, unrelenting curiosity might just point me towards love. Which is why I'm here now with you in this podcast. This is not just a stodgy record of some quest I undertook. It's the container that's even making the quest possible. And so you, I guess you're no spectator. You're really my accountability partner. And I know that's wildly inappropriate to ask someone I just met, asking you to ride shotgun on this intimate road trip, but it seems that's how I roll. And the only thing I can promise you is that it will be surprising, because I'm sort of making it up as we go along here. I know it's going to be intimate, and probably embarrassing, and absolutely terrifying in moments, and I really appreciate you signing on to help me out here. I really believe it's going to be worth it. All right, I guess that, that feels like enough setup for now, yeah? So let's get to the first conversation. Because all of this was such a muddle to me and I didn't really even know where to begin, I figured it only made sense to go to the experts first and get a lay of the land. I mean, I've managed to go my entire adult life without ever having been someone's girlfriend. It just makes me a little worried that maybe I don't even have the ability to recognize a potential partner. You know, it just seems like really slim odds that I never would have come across one. So maybe I'm just not equipped to tell the difference between love and lust or interest and attraction, future friends or future mates. I just feel like all I have is questions. So I'm turning my curiosity on an expert in this whole field of dating. I found a national certified matchmaker, Tammy Shackley, and she graciously agreed to take my call and answer some questions. 
I was curious what she would say when she heard that I was a 35-year-old with no dating history looking to find a partner. I wish I could be in one of those places where there are arranged marriages. I called her up at her office in Dallas from my small town in Southern California, and we got right to it. This is the great option that we have in this culture. Beginning with me telling her why matchmaking seemed like maybe the only logical answer to anyone looking for a partner, let alone someone in my position. When it comes to dating, technology has both helped us and hurt us. That's Tammy. Because there is still avenues in which you truly want to connect with a real person, whether it's, please help me with this new bank account I'm setting up or this new utility I'm trying to connect to my new condo. I still want to talk to a person because if I were good at this, I would have done it. But this is not my expertise. I'd really like to talk to someone who knows more about this. And can you not handhold, but just help me through the process so that I can be effective and efficient in what I'm seeking. And what I'm seeking is a compatible partner. Can I talk to someone, please? Yeah, and the fact that this seems to be such a place that would be a safe haven for people who are really looking for marriage, for com- for like the long-term committed, this is what I want to This is what I want. I want to find my person. And I would assume that people who are employing you are serious about that, are serious on the same page and and want to, to have that forever love in their lives. Absolutely. I mean, if you're just looking to meet someone or, hey, I just want to see what, what's out there, the apps and the online sites are great because you are getting volume, <laughs> but not necessarily quality and not necessarily compatibility. And so many times I interview singles that say, gosh, I don't fit in a box. I mean, checking these boxes, they're asking me to check. I don't even relate to these boxes. Can I, can I be out of the box? And where's the field that I get to create for who I am? Yeah. No, and I, I mean, the whole idea of kind of the safety around the matchmaking really is appealing to me too, just because it, like my parents actually met through a nosy aunt who <laughs> wouldn't stop introducing them. So there's kind of that, that's, that's how it used to be. That it used to be, you know, someone in your family or someone who was a close friend knew somebody. And I mean, I live on the other side of the country from a portion of, for most of my family. And, it, you know, and I don't know, there's just not as much of that built in community. And it feels like coming to you like, okay, here's someone who's my ally, who actually I believe wants the best for me and who I can be honest with and who I can say those awful things that I don't want in a partner or I do want in a partner. And and you'll hold that with me and really actually then be this knowledgeable hub where like all, you know, where where those of us who are being honest with you, you're able to kind of be like, okay, I can actually work with the raw material here that's real. And, and, And I'll know that it's been through that filter of you, you know? Right. Your friends, your family, your loved ones, when they did live with you in the same community, you would have lengthier conversations where you would say, you know, Aunt Edna, you know, really what I'm seeking is X, Y, Z. You don't even have those conversations anymore. So even the process of interviewing with a matchmaker, you spend time describing what is compatible for you. Even that exercise now has trained you as a single, as an eligible single, to explain to your friends, explain to your loved ones, explain to your landlord, you know, what I'm really looking to meet is XYZ. If you know anyone, you know, I'd love for you to introduce me. So many people will see you as eligible, but they've never taken the time to ask you, but what are you looking for? Right. Well, and what you're really making me realize, which maybe this is a little off topic, but I don't like my 
parents don't know me in a way necessarily, you know, I mean, like I haven't lived with them since I was 18 and there's a lot of management of my own, I don't know what (laughs) the version of me that my parents get to know is not necessarily the person who I would want them setting, setting up with someone else. Which, you know, that actually makes me kind of like, well, I I want my parents to know me better. (laughs) It's like, I guess where, what that just right. It, you know, there's still that opportunity. I mean, it, it happens to all of us. It doesn't matter, gay, straight, young or old. Your family loves you and they want you to find your special person, ideally, whatever that looks like to you. But my mother and her attempts to set me up when I was single, if she saw him in a photo in the society pages, oh, he's perfect for you. Absolutely not. He didn't even photograph well. He just happened to buy buy an expensive ticket to a fundraiser, right? That wasn't compatible with me at all. It was what she was seeking for me, not what I was seeking for myself. My dating history consists of accidentally ending up having a boyfriend when I was a senior in high school, who was a good friend of mine and said we were going to date. And I was like, "Uh, okay. And we dated for like two months. And really all that happened is I had my first kiss and cried. But then when I was in my mid-20s, I kind of had that thought of, okay, if I want to get married, I got to, I got to actually go outside of my house and like put some effort into that. And so I did about two years, like five stints of really intensive match.com dating. All people always said that thing to me that you got to make sure you give them so many dates and da-da-da. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could not get past the first date with most of them. Super lovely human beings. We had such a nice time. But, but then I ended up never, you know, I think I gave a few of those match dates. Maybe I got up to three with a couple Good. of them. Okay. I was about to ask you, surely you've had a second date, right? Yes, well, I've had a second date. I've got, and there, you know, I, but it's just, I've never, I kept waiting for some interest to click in. I was like, maybe familiarity will breed it. And it just, I haven't had that experience. See, whereas you might see that as an obstacle, I see that as, as an opportunity. I know you had asked me, but, you know, I don't have that much dating experience. How do I know what I want? I always say, that's great. The fact that you haven't defined it so particular and so narrow means you're really open to meeting someone that feels really good with you. You haven't developed all those bad habits since the age of 18. So you're going to learn the right way the first time starting fresh, not bringing any baggage or bad habits to the date, you're going to be a fresh conversationalist. You're going to be optimistic and positive and embracing who this new and different person is. As you start the process, you will feel the growth within it, not ashamed that you had not matured to this point, you know, by the age of 35. You know, and I guess I always kind of, number one, I always question like, is it because I wasn't immediately like, hey, baby, like, that's someone I find good looking, you know, which I've never experienced in my entire life. There's never been a human being who has walked in the room. And I've said to myself, hey, I'd be interested in having a physical relationship with that person. Like, it just isn't in me. But what you're describing about, oh, my gosh, I met this person, and I want to have a relationship with you. That's a dopamine rush. And that's hot. That's lust, uh, not attraction. So there's lust, there's attraction. But there's also a slow burn, especially as we get a little bit older. Life is not a rom-com. So this is really interesting because I guess I've always wondered if there isn't lust 
does it count in love? And I've had times of being in such intimate friendships. And I've even had times of attraction in the context of I want more time with that person in these like friendships. There's this new couple. I can't tell you why I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder if they want to like hang out. Like there's just this like, oh, I want them to like me and I, I, I really like them and they seem cool and I want to kind of like be around them. And, but that has all only ever occurred so far outside of what I'd call like the romantic relationship bullseye that I have a really, I, I, I feel very confused around all that. If, if there isn't lust, if it's that thing that to me, I really identify as something that happens in my relationships, but in platonic or, you know, companionate kind of partnerships. How, how do we navigate that? Or how, how do I, what do I do when I'm sitting across the table from someone and I'm on date seven and still don't know if that lust thing has kicked yeah. in? If it hasn't by date seven, it probably shouldn't lead to date eight. So I always say every date is leading to the right date. Even every relationship is leading to the right relationship. Even this couple that you've met, there are, there are key qualities and values in them and behaviors that you're drawn to. Maybe it's what they talk about. Maybe it's how they pay attention to each other. Maybe it's their joyfulness or their, uh, how they're present when you guys are all together. So those are some key qualities that wouldn't those key qualities in this couple that I've met be great in my special someone? So even meeting that couple could be a key to you meeting the right person that you can't wait to spend more time with them too. The one thing about having no, um, having no romantic background is then when the question becomes, what do you want in your partner? I'm not working off of like any real life experience here. Like this is all kind of like living in my head or like other relationships that maybe there was some aspect that was nice or like you were saying earlier you know the way I want to feel in it you know so how as a matchmaker do you take the vague things that are coming out of my mouth and try to translate that into a real life human being's you know offerings on the other side and what's so what's so interesting about it and I said this to a woman earlier was Everything you have described, kindness, honesty, loyalty, communicative, um, and a conversationalist, all of those things really described her to me. And at the end, I always come back to, you're really a good person and you're simply looking for your compatible good person to share life with. So it's not as complicated as what people think. Sure, the attraction comes into play and we've got to talk a lot about that too, but really, these are responsible, educated, professional women that are seeking the same. No one is perfect. I have interviewed thousands of the most accomplished, impressive on paper singles. And we're all just a little bit of a mess, you know, here and there. And so matchmakers always say we're all a, a really good eight. I mean, a really good eight. Looking for another eight to love us just as we are. And I think that gives us permission to, you know, not apologize. And guess what? I have sleep apnea. I snort a high hill. If you don't like that, you're not my right partner. But there's, I'm not going to sleep, sleep with the CPAP machine. So I'm a little bit of a mess, but, uh, but I'm a good person and I'm going to be good to you. And I'm going to be uh, loyal and I'm going to be, you know, the partner that I hope that you're proud to come home to every day. So don't strive for perfection. Don't strive for the perfect 
formula that you have figured out yourself. Go ahead and involve somebody else in the mix right now and figure it out together. So. I, I like that. I, I like that idea because I mean, I think it is to, you know, I'm a, I'm going to be turning 35 shortly and I feel like I am at a stage of adulthood that I've, I haven't, I hadn't arrived to until kind of this moment. And that with that feeling is this, okay, now I feel sorted enough myself internally that I, I, I'm not so afraid also of, of involving someone else in my life. And I feel more like a capable human being who can navigate that. And do you feel like most of the people who come to you are in the mindset of, I'm ready to work for a relationship. I'm ready to kind of put that as, yeah. as the thing that I'm putting forward that I want to figure out as opposed to have it arrive on my doorstep magically? In fact, I just wrote a blog about that for our website is that it's about intention. I mean, if you want a special someone in your life, um, that person's there. They're seeking you too. They're frustrated too some days that they haven't found you either. And I don't know that there's just one perfect person for everyone. Maybe there's a couple, but if you want a person in your life, you're supposed to have one. If you're seeking that, you're supposed to have that. Yeah, I think that I have that fear sometimes where I'm like, my life is good right now. I genuinely think it could be better with someone or I think it could be, I think that dynamic is something that I want. But then there's also that part that's like, but I don't really know what that looks like. I know what this looks like. I don't, I, and there's that, there's just that fear that will come up sometimes of like, oh no, no, you're stuck in this like path, this like whole path that you've strewn out in front of you and you're stuck with it. And suddenly, you know, you're 20 years down the line going, wait, how did I end up here? I was a happy single. <laughs> but you know, you don't know what you don't know. So that's one. The other thing is what I think you probably haven't thought about is this other person coming into your life is bringing all of their chapters, their whole set of experiences, all of their evolution as well. And my husband said it best to me. I, I, when I, we were getting married, we dated for a year and a half and then we were engaged for a year. Both of us had been married before, no kids. And I was going to quit my career so that we could travel for the first year together. I was very blessed, let me tell you. And I was really, really sad about leaving my career. I had a wonderful career in philanthropy. And I was so sad about it. And he said, you always think life can't get any better. And I said, but I've worked so hard to achieve this. And I love my career so much. I love my work. And he said, yes, but you do realize life can get any even better. And I thought, no, I, I, I wasn't thinking that life could get better. I thought I was giving up things, not gaining things. And look at it, 10 years later, I have my own company. I mean, he was so right. And I think that's what is the potential to come into your life. Let somebody come in and it could be even better. Oh, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> she, oh. she listens, by the way. She listens. <laughs> oh my gosh. This has been so helpful to just have a little bit of, you know, expert advice walking into the next big chapter. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Oh, I'm so hopeful for you. I just want to encourage you. I love what you've got lined up. I think what you're going to learn through this process is going to be amazing. I look for uh, the tail end of it to hear how it goes. Okay. So Tammy insists there's no perfect formula, which even though I knew that, it's always a little disappointing to hear. I don't think I'm alone in kind of secretly always hoping there might be a key that will open up this smooth path ahead of us, especially when it comes to things as complicated as inviting another human being into your life. But Tammy also seems to think that a total lack of dating history, which I've been seeing as such a clear problem, 
might actually be of service to me. I like that thought. I mean, it's true that part of what makes reaching our mid-30s rewarding is that we've lived through some life. We've hopefully gotten to know ourselves a little bit more than we did in our 20s, and that allows us some self-trust. And actually, I'm realizing that the great thing about dating as an adult is that the odds are better that we're going to be dating other adults. Better, I am say better, not certain, but the fact that I've waited this long to date means that I get to meet other people who also have some life experience under their belts, who maybe have taken some responsibility for their decisions and their station in life. And these people, I'm guessing, are more prepared to be in a healthy family-building team. Maybe. But that also brings me to something else Tammy said that is really sticking with me. Life can get better. Romantic relationship feels like a huge complication. It does. <laughs> I think it probably does to all of us who have been single most of our lives. And the longer you're single, the more that's probably true. But if that's all it is, just one big complicating factor, why do it? it it's not worth it. So Tammy's challenged me. Do I truly believe that life can be better with someone? I really want to tell you that I know that 100%. But I gotta say, she's made me realize that some part of me does still doubt. And so I think that this is where the curiosity is taking us. I think we've got to poke at that doubt. Like maybe if I can dislodge it, I have a better chance of entering the dating world with a genuine availability. And actually, I have a theory that I can maybe convince my inner doubter to chill out simply by reminding it that it already knows that the introduction of totally unexpected experiences of love have in the past made my life better. And here's one other little teaser for you. You will never believe what an endocrinologist tells us about the link between hormones and female sex drive. Is that sufficiently cryptic? Just trust me, it'll be good. So see you back here. That's next time on Curious Love. Thank you to my conversation partner this week, Cami Shackley. If you want to hear more about her, go check out her website, h4m.com. And thank you, listener, for coming along on this ride. I'll meet you back here next week for the next installment of Curious Love.